Valerie Coeur's book, See No Stranger, a memoir and manifesto of revolutionary love is intense, challenging, painful, miraculous, and oh, so needed for these times, giving us a new perspective on the times we are living in, times when love and friendship and light are sometimes just hard to find amidst the pandemics of racism, environmental devastation, and COVID-19. Valerie, at just 20 years old, traveled cross-country to interview victims of violent racist attacks after 9-11, when Ground Zero was still smoldering. Her interviews would become her film, Divided We Fall. And as her journey continues, Valerie finds strength and love in those stories that she collected and in the lessons that she learned from her grandfather, Papa G, who taught her about the magic and power of wonder, the foundational principle of the Sikh faith. For the past two weeks, I couldn't help but mention Valerie Kaur because she has been inspiring my ministry since we were in seminary together. She could be my daughter, and I see her as a guiding light. So wise, such a prophetic voice. Someone who risked her own safety and that of her family in order to lift up the stories of grieving widows and children, of entire communities devastated by violence. As a human rights attorney, she traveled to Guantanamo, unearthing the stories of people silenced and made invisible for decades. She has brought together a brother and his brother's killer. She has documented a widow's forgiveness of the person and the nation that fueled hatred against her dead husband. Every year for the past two decades, she has been gathering at the side of bloody anti-Muslim, anti-Sikh massacres to promote understanding, hoping to transform hearts and encouraging us all to practice revolutionary love. She has received many awards and is recognized as a human rights activist and faith leader. Recently, on September 15th, she was honored by President Biden in the United We Stand Summit at the White House to counter the destructive effects of hate-fueled violence on our democracy and public safety, to mobilize diverse sectors of societies and communities across the country, and to put forward a shared, inclusive vision for a more united America. Valerie and other leaders were recognized as uniters, healing America. This is the power of stories, bringing people together, lifting up the work of love and justice that is all around us, and most importantly, activating healing energies in order to tend to the broken places. There are so many ways in which our country and our communities and our world is being torn apart. It is so easy to get discouraged. One of my favorite spiritual guides, Mr. Rogers, taught us that 
in the midst of chaos and destruction, if we pay attention and listen closely, we will find the helpers and we will feel less alone, less afraid. Bearing witness to another's pain and allowing others to bear witness to our own brings us closer together. And we do this every time we reach out and share our story. In Valerie's book, See No Stranger, she offers us a glimpse into the history of the United States through the lived experiences of a sick woman, a daughter, granddaughter, mother and activist, lawyer and founder of the Revolutionary Love Project. The writing is very personal, intimate, filled with heartbreaking stories, yet always bringing us back to love, to joy, to a healing place, to the questions that might transform our hearts and our world. What do we do with our anger? How do we practice love with our opponents? In thinking about the many ways that our nation is being torn apart, losing the light of compassion, the light of love, she asks, what if this is not the darkness of the tomb, but the darkness of the womb? What if we are in transition, all of us being asked to breathe and push in order to give birth to a new nation, to a new reality? And she wrestles with feelings of anger, especially towards those who intentionally would take another's life. In those moments when it would be easier to label them monsters, taking away their humanity, she remembers the lessons from her grandfather, his faith grounded in Guru Nanak's teaching. See no stranger. See no enemy. Return to wonder. Guru Nanak called us to see no stranger, Valerie writes. Buddha to practice unending compassion. Abraham to open our tent to all. Jesus to love our neighbors. Muhammad to take in the orphan. They all expanded the circle of who counts as one of us. And therefore, who is worthy of our care and concern. Her words are a mirror of my own Unitarian Universalist values of interconnectedness. But we are conditioned to see the world in terms of us and them. And when we lose that orientation to wonder, then we might lose empathy and we no longer see others as part of us. Her grandfather, Papaji, taught her that love is a dangerous business. That if we choose to see no stranger, then we must love people, even when they do not love us. We must wonder about them, even when they refuse to wonder about us. She writes, there comes a point in the aftermath of cruelty or injury when I start to wonder about my opponent. Why did they do that? Why did they say that? Why do they believe that? Why did they vote that way? What is at stake for them? What is driving their behavior? And I want to find out. 
sometimes it's not safe for me to do this. I need to tend to my own wounds and keep processing my rage, my grief, my trauma. But when it is safe, I think about how to listen to their story. One might say, why should anyone try to listen to the white nationalists marching in the street or the demagogue locking children in cages or a former abuser? When she leans into curiosity about her opponent, it is not at the expense of her dignity. She recognizes our right to withhold empathy from our oppressors, and she also teaches us that we do not need to feel anything for our opponents at all in order to practice love. She says that love is a labor that returns us to wonder. It is seeing another person's humanity even if they deny our own. We just have to choose to wonder about them because I owe myself a chance to live in this world without the burden of hate. The more I listen, the less I hate. This is not the stuff of saintliness or sacrifice. Listening is a strategic choice. I'm persuaded that there's no such thing as monsters in this world. Only human beings who are wounded. Listening is how we succeed. The question, therefore, is not whether or not to listen to our opponents. The questions are, when is it my role to listen? When am I emotionally and physically safe? When can I take on the labor of listening when others are not safe to do so? We can all be one another's accomplices. At any given time, there are some opponents I cannot wonder about. I need others to do that labor for me as I tend to the wounds they inflict. It begins with the art of listening to stories. I began to understand that the pain that I had felt to be uniquely my own belonged to many. The sixth story was bound up with the stories of all people still striving to be seen in America. Our struggle situated in the larger struggle for civil and human rights. A larger we came into view. I could no longer be the activist who labored only for her own people. I had to listen to other community stories with the same wonder, with the same humility with which they were listening to mine. I had to grieve with them. I had to fight for them as they were doing for us. Deep listening is an act of surrender. We risk being changed by what we hear. I appreciate so much Valerie's teaching. It's one of those gifts that enables me to feel joy, even in the midst of pain and difficult times. She says that when we create moments to breathe and surrender to the present moment, when we notice the light and the people around us, when we appreciate the helpers, we actually create joy. We feel more alive. It's easy to enumerate all the things that are wrong, all the things that we lack. It's easy to develop a scarcity mentality. But when we choose to do this work in joy, it is a revolutionary act.
It is transformative. It is not a burden or an impossibility. Joy returns us to our best self. Joy reminds us why we keep choosing to be in community and why the work that we do together is worth doing. Joy returns us to all that is good and beautiful in abundance. Joy is the gift of love. These words resonate deeply with my own experience. As a teenager, I grew up in a country that was turned upside down in an instant. Everything we knew to be true and safe and good was no longer so. I saw families torn apart where fathers persecuted sons, brothers against brothers, friends losing trust in one another and no longer being able to speak openly for fear of being turned in as a rebel. In my own family, my uncles were wearing the uniforms and carrying the guns and my cousins, the ones being persecuted and hunted down. Jailed, disappeared, executed. I remember realizing for the first time and being horrified by the human potential for evil. And I witnessed hatred and felt hatred and agreed with those seeking revenge and for a long, long time felt that nothing mattered that nothing could repair the harm done, that we ourselves would never be able to trust, to love, to feel joy ever again. Over the years, I have witnessed my family's healing, not complete, but always ongoing, coming to terms with our own humanity, not leaving aside our thirst for justice, always keeping the motto, never again, close to our lips and our hearts, but somehow being able to listen to each other, forgiving ourselves and forgiving each other, letting go not of our dignity or righteous anger, but letting go of the hatred that weighed us down, that kept us from living and loving. I remember being a young mother and living in New York City when Nelson Mandela was released from prison and he came to Harlem in 1990. When asked about how he felt towards the people responsible for his suffering, for his imprisonment of almost three decades, we were prepared to hear the horror stories. But he surprised us. And he said, I didn't come here to talk about that. I came here for people to bear witness that another world is possible. I want to talk less about that. And I want more dancing. <laughs> yeah, he said, I want more dancing. And suddenly I was conscious of myself in the middle of this sea of people, strangers except for my son, who was holding my hand. All of us surprised by his joy. And sure enough, the drums started playing. The people started clapping and stomping their feet. 
And for a moment, I didn't know what to do. I had not felt joy in a very long time. But yeah, I joined them. I grabbed my son, and as the tears streamed down my cheeks, and as my throat opened up, and I could sing again, and as my feet took a life of their own and joined the people in dancing, I realized that I was mistaken by believing that withholding joy and suffering was the only way that I could honor those we had lost. I wept as I never had wept before. I wept for myself and for my family and for my country. And I wept for joy. I took my son's hand and in the middle of that crowd, I danced, taking a deep breath. I welcomed back joy, and I felt I had returned to true love and that my son deserved to know joy and true love. I knew then that was the best way to honor my son, to really live to hold my family close, to dance. Valerie cautions us that merely witnessing suffering does not necessarily lead to meaningful action. We think that something has been accomplished because we are emotionally spent, but nothing has changed. We can have all the empathy in the world for a group of people and still participate in the structures and systems that oppress them. We might believe we are listening, but we have journeyed only half of the circle. We have drawn close to the story and lost ourselves in another's experience, but we haven't returned to ourselves to ask what does this story demand of me? Is it the reckoning of my privilege? Is it an expansion of whose struggles connect with mine? What will I do differently now? This past month, I have been practicing deep listening. I have been piecing together the threads of this congregation's history learning about what's important to you collectively, drawing a map of your spiritual journey, taking the inventory of your losses, of your traumas, of your disappointments, as well as your resiliency, your courage, your kindness, and your commitment to making this world a more just and loving place. I am bearing witness to your pain, and to your hope. At times it does feel overwhelming and I wonder how will we build the trust necessary to do this work together? Because this is what shared ministry is all about. Doing the work together. Having the difficult conversations. Facing our own humanity and shortcomings. Admitting our mistakes. Letting go of resentment. Forgiving ourselves and each other. 
beginning again in love. Together we hold a vision for a healthy, vibrant, inclusive, joyful, beloved community here at East Shore. A community that reaffirms our purpose in life, our values as Unitarian Universalists, our search for spiritual awakening and nourishment. You have been struggling for a long time, far too long. You have been holding a lot of painful stories for far too long. It's time to heal. It's time to heal together. It is time to return to love together. We have the choice to leave a legacy to the next generations. What stories will they tell about us, about this moment in time? What kind of community are we building? How are we supporting our families? How are we contributing to the well-being of this community, both spiritually and financially? We have chosen to journey together, to see no stranger, to widen the circle and actively participate in the reimagining and rebuilding of this temple. What we now find in shambles shall be built anew with love. Because the temple is not the building, but the people holding up the faith, holding the dreams multiplying the hope it is you and it is me and it is all of us together and this is our time to shine you are a gift to this community and to the world we are not alone we are the helpers as well as the witnesses we must let our light shine Valerie has even given us a compass at the end of the book, a little diagram, a tool for when we feel lost at sea to remind us that we are each other's North Star. This compass can help us reorient ourselves towards an abundance mentality, help us discern what action is necessary at the moment to be a catalyst for speaking the truth in love and allowing the healing to begin and to continue. A compass redirecting us and returning us to trust, to forgiveness, to hope, to joy and love. Beloveds, are we ready to tell our story? Are we ready to listen to each other deeply? Are we ready to hear those inconvenient truths, to sit with the discomfort the pain, to feel our hearts racing, our throats tightening, our tears flowing. Are we ready to see each other with new eyes? To journey together towards a brand new beginning? We will see no stranger. We will tend to the wounds. And together, we will breathe and push forth a new life a new hope, especially when hope is hard to find. And together, we will rejoice. I will close with a blessing 
from Valerie. Let joy in every day. Every day, my love, let joy be your lifeblood. May we let joy in, for we will be someone's ancestors one day. If we do this right, they will inherit not our fear, but bravery born of joy. Amen. Ashe and blessed be.